anyway, one, one difference. Hello again. Here we go. So, second part of chapter 11. And you know that Jesus is in, he goes to go to Bethany. He's called by Martha and Mary because Lazarus, which means God helps, is sick. And then he sends a great word how he's going to believe for the glory of God and he's going to wake him up. We talked about that last week. So, now we're starting in verse 28, but always it's good to go back. Uh, let's go to 25. It says, Jesus said to Martha, he says, I am currently the resurrection and the life every day. He's the resurrection and life today. He was the resurrection and life 2000 years ago. He's the resurrection and the life 10,000 years from now and 10,000 years ago. He's always presently the resurrection and the life. Someone was saying in the Bible on the commentaries, you know, about being dead and stuff like that. But John 17, three says, this is eternal life that you would know the father and the son. You can't know the Father without knowing the Son. The Son presents the perfect image of the Father, who the Father is, which really, when you take it back, the Father's not killing people. He's not maiming horses. He's not stealing. He's not cursing. He's not sending down diseases. That's the old covenant. But Jesus comes to show us who the Father really is. Verse 26, and whoever is alive in the life that I am, which we all are right now, shall never die. Do you believe this? And this just is a rabbit trail. Every, a lot of people always go back to Genesis, the sixth chapter, and talk about you know, that God appointed 120 years for us to live, right? And, but they don't realize that was under the curse. And I, and I think we're probably not living to the ages and the health that we, really belong, that we really should be living, but we haven't caught it up in our mind yet and started believing what God really wants us to believe, but that's another subject. Anyway, verse 27, here we go. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is destined to come into the world. Martha then called Mary, I love this, called her secretly away from the attention from the mourners. Now think about that. So she kind of pulls her aside and secretly tells her, the Lord is here. And he wants to tell you something. She's being very discreet, right? But what does Mary do? Instead of discreetly leaving the building, Mary immediately jumped up and went out quickly to meet him. I don't know if Martha was trying to like get her out, get her out of the way with, with all the Jewish people. Because, you know, a lot of the Jewish people wanted to kill Jesus, didn't believe in him. But, but not Mary. She jumps and leaps and quickly goes out to meet him. Jesus was not yet in town where, where they lived, but waited in the place where Martha met him. The Jews, remember Jerusalem is only two miles away from Bethany. Bethany, house of figs. I mean, some people had some other names for it. House of affliction. The Jews who had come from Jerusalem to console her saw her do, get up quickly to leave the house. They thought she was going to weep at the grave, so they followed her. So they're accompanying her. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was waiting for, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, she says the same thing. Let's just look at 21 really quick. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here earlier, my brother would not have died, period. It could be a killer of faith, by the way, if it was one of if it was me. It's like, oh yeah, I sent your word and look what happened, right? Looking at the circumstances, easy to bring our minds out of the heavenly kingdom down to what we see. And now here, Mary says, Lord, if you only were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Explanation point. So it was a very strong statement. When Jesus saw her weeping, and also the Jews mourning with her, I love this, he groaned in his spirit and was deeply moved. 
He was he groaned, grieved, he groaned in his spirit and was deeply moved by what? Their emotions. Remember, Jesus is fully human and he's fully divine. And actually, I don't hate to tell you, but I'd like to tell you, you're fully human and you're fully divine too. Actually, I've been doing a little study and being caught up into the Elohim, the us of God, but us. And I, that's a discussion for another time, but you're the sons of God and the daughters of God. There's no male, no female. And you're the sons of men. And other versions of the of other versions or other gospels, it says Jesus kept saying to him, Son of man, the son of man, the son of man, just like Ezekiel, the son of man, the son of man. Because how could we relate to the Son of God walking around the earth? We have to relate to the Son of Man and then take that leap of faith that wow, the Son of Man is the son of God. When Jesus saw her weeping, also the Jews mourning with her, he groaned in spirit and was deeply moved. He asked, where is the tomb? They said, Lord, come and we'll show you. And this is Jesus wept. So he, he joined him. And isn't there a scripture that says there is, you know, in James, I believe, mourn with the mourners, rejoice with the people rejoicing. The Jews remarked, he really loved him very much. I love the comment here, some of them reason in their brain. Why could this man, question mark, who opened the blind eyes of a stranger, not prevent his friend death? Remember, remember, he, he sent a word back with the messengers that came to him, to back to them that, you know, he's going to, this is not on to death. And he's going to, he's only slumbering. And then he dies and he waits two days. So he's been in the tomb four days. Who is he being led and guided by? The Spirit of God. He's, being, he, he's not being moved by his emotions. I mean, most of us would have ran right over there if we thought we had healing powers to do a miracle. We had been there as fast as we could because we got to get there before he dies. Not Jesus. He's in this union and communion with the Father and the Spirit, and he just waits until the Father says, now go. And I always want to, you know, as John 5, 19 says, Jesus says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And I've always said, I love this, but Jesus shows us, one, who the Father is. Two, he shows us who you are. You can't know the Father unless you know who Jesus is. He came to demonstrate the Father. And you can't know yourself until you know who Jesus is. Because he is the image and likeness of God, and so are you. And like Francois says in many commentaries, he's not... He's not an example for us. He's an example of us. He's the prototype of our real being. And then you can't know the relationship of Elohim, the Father, Son, Spirit, without watching Jesus and understanding that you have the same relationship now on the earth that Jesus had when he walked here. Same relationship. And he wants you to know that. And that's what he's trying to lift us into the heavenlies, which is not some place way up in heaven. The heavenlies, you know, the word heaven is aranos, which means means a, a, a high point and a peak on a mountain it's 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 a different realm here on the earth for the kingdom of god is where in you and all around you right now luke, luke 17 verse 20 so some reason okay listen to this after this they're reasoning and he comes to the grave right and jesus again groaned in himself as he arrived at the grave it was it was a cave with a stone upon its opening. I don't know if any of you have been to Israel, but they have the temple or the uh, 
the garden thing and they got a they got a tomb and then they got a, a, a rock wheel that rolls and oh i know christy's been there i believe but others have maybe been there but they roll it in front of the the cave and actually there was a stone in front of jesus grave also wasn't there but notice he groaned again he groaned when he saw mary and the the mourners i mean they're mourning she comes and falls at his feet and says if he'd been here my my brother wouldn't have died and he groans he grieves right he already knows the outcome of this but he still has emotions then he gets to the gro- grave and he groans again now if you're anything like me, that would have been a killer to my faith. I always think to myself, I have to be in the right mood to believe something. <laughs> but I think Jesus has shown us no matter what you, however your emotions, does not change what God wants to do. Whatever he's shown you, do not let your emotions rob you. Because now he's into his emotions. He's groaning and grieving. He comes to the grave. And what does he say? He's not, he doesn't like, you know, like we like to do i mean maybe not all of you but get out the praise music and whip it up maybe you get some tambourines and dance around the house and go crazy speaking tongues and get yourself all worked up so you can believe for this miracle he didn't do that he just groaned and he says what then jesus asked for the stone to be taken away and they're and they're shocked martha warned that by this time there would be stench since it was already four days since he passed away so are you serious you want the stone to be taken away? It's going to stink. Have you ever smelled that stuff? Ooh. I'm a doctor. I have. It's not pleasant. Jesus answered, did I not tell you that in your believing, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41. Then they lifted the stone from the cave where the dead man laid. And here's what Jesus said. Think about this. He lifted his eyes. He didn't say he lifted his head. He lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now think about it. I mean, he could have been looking down or he could have looked this way. But he didn't go up and look up into heaven because the Father is in him. He maybe looked up. I was thinking about this. He maybe looked up into his head. You know, when you ask somebody a question and they have to think, what do they do? They roll their eyes up into their head. Because he's looking. He is the temple of God. He is the incarnation. And so are you, by the way. And he's looking to the Father and the Spirit where they live in him. He lifted up his eyes. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Have heard me. Not will hear me. Have heard me. That's faith. I am persuaded. In other words, persuasion and faith are very similar. That you always hear me. Are you as persuaded that the Father always hears you? Because he does. I mean, how can not the Father, Son, and Spirit not always hear you? Because they're living in you 24-7. They don't jump out based on your actions. We used to, people teach that. Oh, my God, you did something wrong. You got to repaint. Shh. Get God to come back in you, right? No, he doesn't leave. He's there permanently. The Holy Spirit will come and remain for how long? Forever. We'll get that, get to that in John 14. I'm persuaded that you always hear me. We need to ask, Lord, allow me, give me the grace to be persuaded that Father and Son and Spirit always hear me, because they do. I need to start believing that. Now, listen to this. But I'm saying this for their sake, for the sake of those standing by. Why? So they may, too, may come to believe that you sent me. That you, why? I'm speaking this out loud so they will understand that you sent me. 
which is interesting because today, my little fellowship time with the, with the Lord, he led me to John 17, and it says that they may be one as we are one. Many of you know that scripture. And it says that they would know that you sent me. There's a theme here because he says that because where are you from? He says, I told you. I mean, there's a theme going on. Where is he from? And what's the first verse in the Gospel of John? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. That's where he was, and that's where he came from. In Isaiah, the sixth chapter, they say, they said, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, I will go. But that's, that's a prophetic. Jesus is the, the Father, Son, Spirit. He's the third part of the, or the second part of the Trinity. He's the one that says, Father, I will go. Isaiah acts it out in the flesh, but that's who it's really. It's Jesus. Who will go for the Spirit and the Father and the Son? The Son says, I will go. See, there's a theme here. They kept asking, where are you from? He kept telling them, I'm, I'm from above. You're from below. And he, and he continues, that they would know that you sent me, where I come from. After he spoke these words, he raised his voice, and it says, and he hollered. Lazarus, come forth. You know, and this is the central thing of this whole chapter, but I have the least revelation on it. It's the funniest thing. Lazarus, come forth. You don't need only a crazy person. In other words, he treats him as if he's alive. Faith sees things in reverse. Christ was crucified before the foundations of the world. God's looking in reverse. That's faith. John 4, 17. He speaks even though it isn't as it is and it must be. He's demonstrating it. And the dead man appeared with his hands and feet swathed in linen clothes. Also, his face was covered in cloth. Jesus said to them, unwrap him. And so he can move around freely. Now, remember, when you're looking at these things, John, I mean, we're already to the 11th chapter. There's only 21 chapters in this book, and we're already to Passover. I mean, he's, John has skipped over a lot of stuff. Skipped over a lot of stuff. Because he's, he's trying to get the, a picture for you in all these healings of who Jesus is, where he comes from, and who you are in that, and the revelation of the incarnation. And each, each and every one of you to understand, us to understand, right? And, the, and let's think about it. When, I don't know about you. When I came to Christ, man, I was, I, mean, I was on drugs. And the next day, I was set free. I'm a doctor today because of that day. I, I know my wife today because of that day. I know you right now because of that day. And the next day, I was in darkness, and I saw the whole world in a brand new way. And I was wrapped up. And all kinds of linen, and I had to, he slowly unbound me and got me free. And I'm still getting free, honestly. Because what, what makes you free? Not good music, the truth. It says the truth will make you free. That's why I pray, Lord, I want to know the truth, even if you have to knock me on my behind to get me to wake up. Rock my world. I want to be free. Freedom without obligation. Woo! Good stuff. Then many of the Jews who accompanied Mary to the grave believed in him. And when they when they witnessed what just happened, wow. In other words, these are miracles. Remember, he told the John's disciples came to him and said, 
you know, are you the one or we expect another? And the reason he did that, because John was expecting, he testified that he was a Messiah, but he was expecting him to be more of a legal guy, a law guy, and to, you know, be that Maccabees we just talked about, you know, rescue the temple and kick the Romans out, and be that great person, be the king of the line of David and have a glorious kingdom. And he wasn't in the image that John had, even though he testified that it was him. And what does Jesus say? The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached to the poor, meek, and humble. These miracles are a demonstration of who of he is the Christ. I love this. We always have some tattletales, just like in, uh, when he, in chapter 9, when he, uh, he gave sight to the blind man with the, with the mud, they ran to the Pharisees told and but some of them went and reported what had happened to the pharisees i love the pharisees the chief priests and pharisees remember pharisee means separated one anyway and they immediately called a council meeting what do we do now for this Man is doing many miracles. You think they'd be rejoicing? You know, I hate, to, I, I hate to say this, but it's no different today. We came to this town and we started having meetings and we started seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, and the churches came against us. They weren't too happy. If we let him alone, everyone will believe in him. Everyone will believe in how a how awful is that? How awful! Everybody believes in Jesus. The rest of us want that. Then the Romans will come, this is, their, this is their theory, and dispose us of our land and our national heritage. They felt threatened, the commentary says, rather than endorsed in their core identity. They missed the entire point. Now, this is one of the highlights to me, because this, this goes on today too. And one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to read this also in the Amplified too, because it's, it's just good. If you were merely reasoning about this, you would have known that it is to our, our advantage. You would know, if you're paying attention, it is to our advantage that one should die instead of the entire nation. This he said without realizing that in the office of high priest, he was prophesying Jesus' sacrificial death as a scapegoat for the entire nation. He didn't know he was prophesying that, but that's what he was prophesying. And then he said, and, and verse 52, and this was not for Israel only, but in Jesus laying down his life as the true shepherd of mankind, he would lead together into one family all the children of God from wherever they are uh, have, have been scattered. Okay, I'm just going to read it out of here really quick here. One of them, verse 49, one of them, Caiaphas, who was a high priest, declared, you know nothing, nor do you understand reason on and what it is expedient or better for our own welfare that one should die on behalf of the people than the whole nation should perish. Now, he did not say this simply on his own accord. He didn't say this on his own accord. But as high priest that year, he prophesied by the Spirit of God that Jesus was to die for the nations. I'll just go back to John 17, 20. The Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God's coming. He says it's not come, doesn't come with signs to be seen with, you know, here it is, there it is. And he's, these are the Pharisees. They don't believe in him. And he says the kingdom of God is in you Pharisees and all around you. 
Here he is prophesying by the Spirit of God, and not only for the nation, but also for the purpose of uniting into one the body of the children or the body of the children of God who have been scattered far and beyond. What's the response? From that day, they took counsel together and tried to put him to death. So in other words, think about this. He prophesied the truth, but misinterpreted it through his academic, darkened mindset. And I've, in, with all due respect, I've seen a lot of people in modern times prophesy some good stuff and misinterpret it through their culture, their theology. In fact, Sam and I have had all kinds of like visions that we thought we tried to figure out. And years later, they come to fruition and they go, oh, that's what you meant. <laughs> we so there's a, in other words, there's a prophecy or whatever, and there's also interpretation. So when you get one, ask the Lord for the interpretation. Just don't jump to assumptions. And so here he jumps to us. They jump to us, jump to an assumption. The assumption is he's supposed to die because otherwise we're going to lose our nation because that's that was their theory going in. So we're going to kill him. And so Jesus no longer moved about publicly in Jewish circles. He withdrew to the hill country bordering the desert where he remained with his disciples in the village of Ephraim near Bethel. I love that Bethel, house of God. Let's see. No, we're already to the Passover where he dies. In the 11th chapter, there says so the Jewish Passover was coming up, and many people were making their way to Jerusalem to participate in the ceremonial purification before the Easter celebration. In other words, it's a cleansing where they bathe. Pam and I, uh, second time we went to Israel, we stayed with our, our friend Yaron. He got us a bed and breakfast or something like that in the Jewish section of the old city and we weren't supposed to be there and on friday night all the young men were all heading to the bathhouses to prepare for the sabbath was it friday night yeah friday night so it's a ceremonial cleaning if you've been to masada which is a, a mountain down by engedi by the back sea the the nicenes used to ceremonial bathe cleansing before they ate and they some people think john was one of those nicenes but anyway Verse 56, Jesus was the topic of conversation among the people in the temple courts. In other words, everybody's talking about him. Everyone was curious about his whereabouts and wondered whether he would show up for the Passover. Now remember, Passover is what? It's the protecting and the rescuing. Behold the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. And I always like to say this, did he do it or not? Because if he didn't do it, tonight we are wasting our time. He took away the sin of the world, past, present, and future. It has been dealt with, and we have to trust that. The chief priests and the Pharisees decreed that anyone with information must disclose it so that they can arrest him, arrest Jesus. And uh, that's the end of chapter 11. That's some great stuff. 